When my kids were in elementary school, I don't remember which grade it was, but you got, I got to, as a parent, go on a field trip with them up to an old, like, abandoned, not abandoned, but a, uh, no longer a, a gold mine, like near Idaho Springs, somewhere up there. And you'd go, and they'd show you the mine shafts and talk about the history of it and all of that. But at the end, you'd go out to this little creek that was flowing, and they'd give you the little pan, and you'd actually get down, and you'd pan for little flakes of gold. And people would actually still find them. There's still flakes of gold in these old, old mines. And uh, I remember you would get in the water and you're like, hey, maybe I'm going to strike it rich today. Who knows? But um, I was thinking about this in this series that we're in called Promises, Promises. We're going through Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians. And what we're doing is we're panning for something greater than gold. We're panning for the promises of God that are found in Christ, in the person of Jesus. And for, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.20, key verse, all of God's promises, everything he's promised is yes and amen in the person of Jesus. And by us, we speak the amen back to God. And to say amen means to say, so be it. I believe it. So be it. And so we're looking and mining for these promises. And and today we're going to look at the promise of reconciliation. It's an important word in understanding what God has done for us in the person of Jesus, what he's done for you. I have a feeling today is going to be very personal for some of you. It's going to be personal um, vertically in your relationship with God But it's also going to touch your heart in your personal relationships, your marriage, your friendships, your family, on what reconciliation means to God in this passage that we're going to look at in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul writes this, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us, past tense, to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God, the Father, was in the Son, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting the wrongdoings Against their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The promise of reconciliation. Did you catch that? There's a lot going on here. And what we need to take a hold of and what we need to pass on to this broken world around us. The, the word reconciliation, it's the act of, of coming to an understanding. Two parties that are hostile towards each other come together and they put an end to the hostility. There's no hostility. You see that in personal relationships. When you're hostile with someone, you come together, and it's more than just saying, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. It's reconciling. There's no longer the hostility that's there. Here's what you got to catch in what Paul's wanting you and I to understand today is that we see in the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus what God's stance is towards the human race. We see what his stance is. So many people preach and say that God is hostile to humanity. You look at the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus, and you see the love of God. You see the favor of God. You see that in, in the life of Jesus. Humanity is hostile to God, not the other way around. We're hostile because we've had bad theology taught to us. We've had a bad understanding of who God is. We've had bad experiences that have happened to us. Life has happened, and therefore, we create an image of God that's not found in the person of Jesus. When you want to know what God is like, you look at the life of Jesus. That's what God is like. That's who God is like. Now, there needed to be reconciliation. You go all the way back to the fall of Adam and Eve. They had everything given to them. They were told not to eat of this one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But they chose to believe the lie. And humanity became delusioned about who God was, that God's out there in, in, in separation and all this stuff, that he can't be trusted. So Jesus came to clear that up. He came to clear up what God was like and what God's posture towards his creation really is. There needed to be reconciliation, and God had a plan from the very beginning. We see that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, before the fall even happened. God had a plan. God took the first step of reconciliation in the person of Jesus. So I'm going to break this passage down into three, three simple uh, statements. First of all, reconciliation starts with the love of Christ. It starts with the love of Christ. It begins with his love for his creation. For the love of Christ controls us, Paul said. Some of your translations might say, for the love of Christ compels us. It's that inner movement of man. It's his love that controls my life. It's his love that compels me. But it starts with him, not you and I. We love him, why? Because he first loved us, First John says. He loves his creation. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the creator of all things? He is the sustainer of all things. He is the redeemer of all things. He is God. And God the Son became one of us to redeem us and to reconcile us to our creator. 
You guys have heard me talk about one of my uh, church history heroes. His name was Athanasius. I was joking with Janelle. If we had a son, I'd, I'd name him Athen. She was like, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. But Athanasius was a stud. Look up stud in the dictionary and you'll see Athanasius going like this. He did, he did for the church so many good things. When the church almost took a left turn and, and didn't believe in the Trinity and did not see Jesus as God and the oneness of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, he stood up in the face of that. And he showed from Scripture what God was really like in Jesus. And he wrote this little book at the age of 21. I highly recommend it. I think you can find it for free on the, the interweb. Uh, it's called On the Incarnation. And he ma- made this statement that just really, when I read it, it just totally was like a tuning fork going off in my heart. He said, what was a good God to do? Starting with the goodness of God. What was a good God to do as he saw his creation perishing into nothingness? In other words, not on my watch am I going to allow my creation to perish. I'm going to step in and do something about it. For the love of Christ compelled him, and now it compels you and I in our relationship to him. we got to get off this hamster wheel of performing for God and learning to just live in the love of God and the love of Christ. That's what transforms us. That's what helps us break bad habits. That's what changes our attitudes is the love of Christ. That's what compels us. That's what controls us. The gospel is this. Jesus did for you and I what we could never do for ourselves in that he overcame our three enemies of sin, death, and the evil one. He did that for us in his life, death, and resurrection. And I want to tell you this this morning. You are loved. You are loved. You may not always feel that. It may not always be your emotional experience or or whatever. You are loved. If you ever doubt that God loves you, look at Jesus. Look at him being willing to come into this world and to suffer to suffer at the hands of humanity. But he did it to reconcile us back to the Father. Therefore, when we receive that vertical love from the Father, we now horizontally give it out to others through forgiveness, through caring for others, through serving. And that unconditional love is found in Christ. Second thing, reconciliation is for all. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He didn't just live and die and rise for a select few. He he did it for all because he is connected to his creation. Go read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 21. It'll blow your mind on who Jesus is and what he accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection. Let me read it again. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose on their behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh, even though we have known Christ by the flesh. Yet we, 
Yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Let me explain this real quick, what it means here when he says, even though we have known Christ by the flesh, or that we no longer recognize one another by the flesh. What that really boils down to is we as humans tend to look at the outward appearance of someone, and then we make a conclusion about them. We make a judgment. Are they good-looking? Are they rich? Are they strapping? Are they whatever? And we, we judge by the outward appearance. Remember when David was picked by the prophet through, by the hand of God to be the king of Israel? He's with all his brothers who are big, strapping, tough guys that look like kings, and when they were passed over, they were like, what do you mean? You're going to pick David, who's this small, little, ruddy, not much to look at guy? And what did God say? He said, man judges by the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God's always looking at the heart. And so when Paul is saying we, you know, that we no longer judge people by the flesh, is we don't look at their outward appearance, their race, or this or that. We look at Christ. And so when it comes, he said, we, we used to know Jesus this way, but we've learned better. We've learned better. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about Jesus, 600 years before Jesus came into the world. And it says that his appearance wasn't much to look at. Like when you saw Jesus walking down the street, you didn't go, wow, that's the dude right there. That's the Messiah for sure. Look at those guns, right? And, and we as human beings are hilarious in what we do. I, uh, I remember this, this portrait that somebody painted of Jesus, and oh, he's holding a little lamb. You Google this, you'll crack up. Don't do it right now, but after this. Google Kevin Costner Jesus holding a lamb. And it'll, you'll see an image where somebody wanted to make Jesus be like the young, handsome Kevin Costner. Because Jesus had to be this, this beautiful, handsome man. That's not what the scriptures foretold about him. He wasn't gonna, you're not going to judge him by the flesh. That's why people couldn't see him. That's why his fellow Jews had a hard time seeing who he was. Because they thought he was going to be this big, bad dude that was going to just, you know, overthrow Rome and all of that. Jesus came as a lamb. He came humble. Reconciliation is for all. That was, a little, that was free. How do we apply this? He says that one died for all, therefore all died. What does that mean? It means that every person you see has dignity. Every person you meet is made in the image of God. Every single one. And we have to learn to see people through that lens rather than the judgment lens of the flesh. There was a a guy named Wayne Alderson, and he was the VP of a big steel company in Pittsburgh in in the 70s, the Patron Steel Company. 
And back then there was a, you know, a lot of, probably still is, but there was a lot of uh, tension between big companies, big corporations, and their employees, the workers. And so unions were birthed to protect the worker from getting, to get proper wages and benefits, that kind of stuff. And so there was a lot of ugly things going on. Well, this guy named Wayne Alderson was a follower of Jesus. And his favorite passage was the one that we're looking at this morning. And he decided that that wasn't going to happen in his company, this tension. And that he created this whole thing called value the person. And it was treat everyone with love, respect, and dignity. Treat everyone that way. Judge no one by the flesh. Treat everyone that way. And he ended up like being the CEO of, of how to treat your, uh, your labor, your people who work for you, like the man of the year, 40 years in a row, based upon what he had, he had done. And just, just applying the words of the Apostle Paul to his, his work, to his calling as being the VP of this steel company. What he stopped doing was doing this us and them. Who's in, who's out? You work for me, blah, blah, blah. Well, we do that as human beings. Who's in, who's out? Who's in the church, who's out the church? The whole thing Brian was explaining about belonging before you believe. Because we don't want to set a barrier or put walls around who's in and who's out. That's not what Jesus did or what he's about. He's always about winning people back to himself, reconciling the world to himself. This is the answer to racism. There is no racism if we understand this passage of Scripture. We don't look at people by the color of their skin. It's the end to a lot of ideological problems that we see in our society if we cannot see it as us and them, but treat people with love, respect, and dignity. Therefore, my last point, reconciliation is our message to the world. It's our message to the world. It's what Paul was emphasizing to the church at Corinth. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I think this passage is, it's safe to say that God's saying from his stance, his vantage point, he's good. People don't know that though. They think God's out to get them. He's just this judge that's ready to pounce. Do you see that in the person of Jesus? I don't see that. I see a truth teller in Jesus. He's going to tell all of us the truth of our disillusions about life and what the meaning of life is about. He did that to his own fellow Jewish people. He's going to point us to truth because he is the truth. 
But he's always doing it in love. Always in love. He says, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador, an ambassador for the United States is, represents the United States in another nation and, and does diplomacy on behalf of the United States. That's what an ambassador does. Well, we're told by Jesus that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But he sent us back into the world just like he did the disciples because we got a message. And what's our message? Be reconciled to God. You don't jump through hoops. You don't, you don't join a church. You don't do this. You don't do that. You trust God. You put your faith in God. You put your faith in the gospel. It's really, 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 really good news. And it breaks my heart. And if it breaks my, my heart, how much more, the Lord, that people just they think God is bad. And that the, the, the good news of Jesus gets clouded with religion. And it gets clouded with legalism, and it gets, it gets veiled with law. And yet it's really, really good news, and it's the only thing that can set you and I free. It's the only thing that can set you, the person that might be on your mind that needs to understand this free. The word evangelism did not begin with Christianity. The word the evangel is the word good news, news. An evangelist goes and tells the good news. And so what would happen, this was even before, you know, evangelism as we know it, or what we think of when we hear that word. Let's say a a nation won a great war. They would send evangelists into the world because they didn't have the interweb or the Google or the YouTube or any kind of news channel or radio, they had to physically send people into villages, into towns and cities, and they would herald the good news. Hey, the war is over. We're free. We're, we're, you know, the king is on his throne, whatever. And that, that happened. And so we've been commissioned to be that, to tell the world about the victory of Jesus, the victory of Jesus. Be reconciled to God. God did for your neighbor, your loved one, what they could never do for themselves. It's okay to tell them that. Ask God for opportunities to tell people that good news. I get it. Not everybody everybody is ready for it or they they don't want to hear it or whatever. That doesn't stop us from being who we are as ambassadors for Christ. You are an ambassador for Jesus. So important for us to believe that. So I want to do two things as I bring this to a close. First of all, let me ask you, have you been reconciled to God by faith in what Jesus has done? You do that by agreeing with him in his good news. Agree with Jesus that he is Savior. Agree with Jesus that he is Lord and follow him as his disciple. We believe and we follow. We believe and we follow. We put into practice the kind of life that he says to live. That's the good life. Not the easy life, but it is the good life. And then, right now, just close your eyes with me. Think of someone, draw to your mind... 
someone who does not know who they are in Jesus. They do not know what Jesus has done for them. They're broken. They're disillusioned. They're hurting. Call them to your mind right now, and we're going to pray for them. Lord, we lift these people who you have brought to our minds this morning to you. And we pray for them wherever they are right now that they would be reconciled to you. Holy Spirit, would you open their minds and their hearts to receive the good news, to receive of your love, to receive of your compassion and your grace. Open their minds and hearts like you did for us, Lord. It's our simple prayer this morning. Now, as you still have your eyes closed, call to mind somebody that you might need to be reconciled with. Call to mind that person that you're having a hard time forgiving, that hurt you. And allow the love of Christ to compel you and to control you, to forgive. And if it's within your ability to not just forgive, but to have reconciliation, to not have hostility, but grace with that person. Father, those with whom came to our mind and that we need reconciliation with if possible open the door for that to happen literally whether it's a text, a phone call in person Lord if a person is no longer with us help us to have reconciliation anyway And to lay down our, our rights and our, our pride and hurts. And we're going to leave our pride and our hurts at the foot of the cross. Where you overcame for us. Lord, we want to be free. And live in the freedom that you have given us thank you for your promise of reconciliation thank you for what you've done thank you for what you're doing thank you for what you're going to do Lord as we move forward as your people in Jesus name Amen will you stand with me and let me pray a blessing over you May the grace of God the Father, the fellowship of the Spirit, and the joy of the Son of God be experienced by each one of us. May the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow 
be experienced by each one of us. May you leave here commissioned today as an ambassador of Christ, his representative in your home and in your community and at your workplace and at your school. You are his ambassador. And may he fill you fresh and new with his spirit today with gratefulness, joyfulness, peace, self-control, hope, gentleness, a new outlook going into this new week, in this new year. For his glory I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.